You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mithul Shah. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Gabe Rogo about the relationship between ABM and sales enablement. I've had pleasure of knowing Gabe personally in recent months. He has had an incredible journey from publishing to software. Gabe, welcome to the show. Can you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure, and thanks for having me. I'm excited for the discussion. Um, It's a really amazing time in B2B marketing and and, and revenue generation. Uh, Like you said, my name is Gabe Rogel. I've been at Demandbase, which is a leader in account-based marketing category for eight years now. Um, my background is thank you uh, on the sales side. So I, I was kind of running running um, revenue, and then I became the CEO at a very slow period. You know, the beginning of twenty or end of nineteen <laughs> and beginning of twenty twenty, uh, where nothing's happened in the world. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, it's really at, at heart, I'm a B two B marketing kind of geek. Um, I love how complex and powerful B2B marketing can be, how we can simplify it. Uh, and like I said, I would, um, I've enjoyed getting to know you and looking forward to the conversation. Well, welcome to the show. We are, you know, we are super excited to have you. So Gabe, let's start with the basics, right? I mean, you know, going back like when ABM was not even understood, people thought that was a way for you to target companies with the ads the acronym didn't exist when I guess when you guys started, and to an era right now where ABM, you know, it, for lack of a better word, has been kind of, you know, talked too much about. Right? There's a lot yeah. of fud around it. So yeah. maybe can you demystify ABM for us? According to you, what's the definition? You know, today I can, and I think um, you another way to say is ABM has kind of jumped the shark in some ways because um, <laughs> it's become a buzzword and also. Yeah. Uh, there's still, even though everybody knows they need an ABM strategy, I think, which is great, what ABM is is still a mystery, as you said. I think there's two ways to look at it. One is, what's the problem ABM solves? And it's a really big problem that it solves, which is the changing B2B customer journey. So, you know, B2B has always involved a lot of people buying, but um, what's happened is it's become much more anonymous, much more digitized, much more real-time, more influences, more regulation. And really that complexity in the customer journey is what has necessitated uh, the advent of account-based marketing because previous models were um, much too simple. Essentially marketing did stuff, they handed it to sales to close it. Um, and that's kind of the marketing automation model or, or what we call the baton pass model, which we've been using as kind of an analogy a lot um, versus what happens now is, you know, sales and marketing have to operate in real time about all the data and insights they're getting more like a soccer team. 
And that, that's what account-based marketing, that's the potential of account-based marketing. So that's the challenge it solves. You know, in terms of a definition, there, there's a couple of different ways to look at that. It's like what technology should be a part of it. And we advocate, there's kind of a, a data layer to the ABM um, approach, which is a full 360 view of the account so that you can have this common understanding of what's happening with accounts across your organization. There's a decision layer, which is, okay, what do you do with those accounts? How do you measure them? And then there's a delivery layer, which is what actions do you take through different channels to affect results? Um, a more simple definition for me is uh, making your processes and technologies account centric. And uh, because a, a lot of what marketers, B2B marketers have inherited are B2C technologies, which are individual centric. So you can't at scale activate programs that take into account what's going on with the account. So I really, I think if you wanted to distill it, it's making your processes and technologies account centric, which is the fundamental unit of revenue in B2B. So fantastic. So, I mean, I guess we are going from casting a much wider net to maybe a tighter net, right? You're, you're focusing on maybe fewer accounts, um, you know, in this case, that that's essentially how many people think about it, right? That I'm going to, instead of targeting 50,000 accounts, you know, I'm just going to focus on these thousand accounts. Um, and I've heard another definition as well that, you know, some people are trying to figure out ABM at scale. Right. Some people kind of to use the sniper kind of approach. Some people trying to figure out how do you do ABM at scale? So maybe can you talk a little bit about this, like two different paradigms that's been kind of talked about, you know, in that? Yeah, I mean, and I think the best approach as usual is is kind of a hybrid approach. So um, yeah, I mean, I think one one way people look at ABM. Um, I find this a little more kind of internationally is it's about doing a lot of kind of handholding content building around a very, very small group of accounts. And that's kind of like your initial intro you were talking about sales enablement. I, I consider that almost like sales enablement. Um, and then the, the other end of it is, okay, we're going to, we're scaling up a kind of a, an approach to accounts um, broadly so that so that we can be more effective and and the middle approach to me which we see in a lot of our big accounts more sophisticated ABM um, implementations is almost is a, a segmentation and uh, meaning almost like a pyramid of mm-hmm. ABM <laughs> that is <laughs> you know at the top of it you would you you would have one to one then you have the next level down is, is one to few and then you have one to many um, and then below that is like your TAM and I think that's a pretty good way to look at it to show how ABM can work regardless of how laser focused or not to be more efficient and the one-to-one is okay we, we want to work on a very high touch strategy with strategic accounts and that's a completely mm-hmm. unique the one to few is these are groups of accounts that have similar criteria. You know, maybe it's within a territory. It's it's a certain stage of your funnel. It, it's a certain cross-sell opportunity or a mix of those criteria, which make it a very kind of tight account-based audience. That's the one to few. 
And then the one-to-many is, you know, maybe it sits in a, in a certain region, in a certain industry. Um, it's some other kind of uh, more broad criteria has been reached and you know you want to reach it as a group, um, but, but a little more generally. And then you have your TAM, and your TAM is just everybody that could possibly buy your product ever. <laughs> and, you know, kind of probably depending on how big you are and, um, you know, how much, how, how much you, you have in terms of marketing funds determines to what degree you reach into that TAM and do kind of brand for the future or not. Um, but, you know, to kind of go back to, to, you, to your question and the confusion around essentially how small are your audiences? I think looking at it like ABM isn't about having few accounts or many accounts. It's about being account centric and grouping them in different ways based on the business priorities that those different groups of accounts serve within your organization. That's, that's, that's very, uh, you know, that's very interesting, right? I mean, like, I mean, the pyramid example that you kind of gave about, is one to one, one to three, one to one to many, and different approaches to that. Um, so, would your sales and marketing strategy change in that? Like, you know, when you have one to one, one to few, one to many, some are marketing led, some are sales led, some are hybrid led. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I think they, the the better way to or the, the, maybe the clearer way to look at it is both sales and marketing. You know, to start with should agree on which accounts are in which bucket. <laughs> that, that's an episode by itself. <laughs> so that's a big step in itself, like you said, like to getting to who should be one-to-one, right? You know, do we, that's a huge, I mean, we laugh about it, but that's a huge win yeah. just because that, that was not the case that sales and marketing were looking at accounts to co-participate in, uh, in that way. Um, yeah, I think then if you can get more sophisticated beyond just the agreement and, and marketing is really aligning with essentially territory strategy and sales ops strategy, um, you know, that one-to-one aligns with your strategic accounts and you have a strategic account sales team. Um, I think the one-to-few and the one-to-many um, crosses across different territories. And, and that, that, those, that one to, I'm sorry, that one-to-few, one-to-many and your TAM Really, I think the best practice there is that that becomes a scoring mechanism for your territory distribution. So in other words, another thing ABM can do is ensure that you're creating scalable territories because, you know, what you want to do as a sales leader is, you know, have as many people as successful as possible. And and, and what the, the issue becomes, how do I distribute? Right. And so if you can, you know, get to a place where, you know, sales and marketing has agreed that these one to few accounts are like the, the highest priorities, you know, for example, every rep that, that, that account is scored a certain way for a rep mm-hmm. and then the one to one to many, and then the TAM, you know, that, that becomes a way to quantify the strength of each territory going into a year, you know, because, you're not, you're not going into it blind. You're saying, you know, every rep has, has a kind of an equivalent score based on how many of the high prioritized, mid prioritized and low prioritized accounts um, that we have, that we have. So I think, you know, it's like any, um, 
practice is there's different levels of sophistication, different internal challenges you have. But I think just doing those two things of sales and marketing are in agreement on who falls in what falls in what bucket. And then, you know, sales is using that system to prioritize accounts and scale that gets you really far. Hmm. Very cool. So once you've identified these accounts, you know, in your pyramid scheme, you know, as, as you call it, uh, I guess I get a pyramid scheme. <laughs> Not scheme, sorry, in your pyramid. <laughs> in your network marketing. No. <laughs> uh, so when when it comes to you know these accounts and trying to now figure out the personalization on it, right? Identifying yeah. the right right contact, right decision, decision makers, the buyers, the community if you're going to enterprise. Um that identification and personalization, you know, to that, that's, I think that's another big core part of ABM. Um, what level of sophistication or what level of personalization can you achieve now once you've identified your accounts? Well, I, I think that the personalization also should be thought of in terms of, um, you know, levels of resources that, that you put into it. So, you know, if you go the reverse direction and say, okay, this is my TAM, you know, your TAM is probably going to fall across a couple industries and a couple segments, meaning, you know, for example, <clears throat> manufacturing tech and financial services or, you know, the industries and the segments are enterprise and mid-market, you know, that, that would be the most basic type of personalization you, you would do, but it would be effective. You know, we, you definitely just when a visitor comes in your TAM that's anonymous and you recognize they're in one of these segments or, or industries and you serve content relevant to that segment and industry, it will improve the engagement of your site and it will increase the amount of people that will convert. So that's, that, and that can be a pretty simple, just repurposing of, of a generic piece of content to make it slightly more, interesting to an industry or segment, you know, then from there, you just get successive levels of data points that you have that inform the, the personalization. So when you get to the kind of the one to many, you know, it could be a tighter region, like these are Southwest accounts. It could be a subcategory of technology, you know, maybe focus on cloud, you know? And so it just, it just becomes, you know, that much, you have more data points, so therefore the personalization strategy gets a little more complex. You know, when you get to the one to few and one to one, you're not just using, so, so personalizing at the previous levels is, is a lot of it is about recognizing what account they're at. You know, once, and you do that, you know, for example, using IP or, or cookie identification through demand base, once you get to the kind of one to few, or one, and especially one to one, you know, you're really getting into a combination of people that you have in your first party data and people that you don't, right? And so the people that don't, aren't in first party data, meaning they've never identified who, what their email is or their personal information, you don't have the right to know that, you're going to personalize by the company. But you're also going to start to have people that have, because they're the one-to-one -one highest priorities accounts that have responded to webinars, done all that stuff, 
So then you can get to truly a combination of personalized content for the individual based on previous content that they've um, digested um, based on their role um, in, in addition to the other levels of personalization, which are around um, industry segment. And there you also get to, okay, is this customer own, owns a certain product? So we want to promote a different product. Um, so the journey, the customer journeys on what's delivered, the content delivered, the personalization strategy gets more complex as you go up the pyramid. And the reason you can do that is because you have more data within, um, you know, ABM systems like Demandbase, your CRM, and your marketing automation systems to inform that personalization. Interesting. So in that personalization, does, you know, I know, you know, Google has mentioned that, you know, moving away from cookie-based system. Uh, and I guess now the COVID happened, so everybody's working from home, so that IP identification and so forth kind of becomes, you know, challenging as part of that. So does that accelerate, you know, the new advent of technologies and how they're going to target people and identify them? Um, or, or, or is there a new model coming that will allow us to to do that? Or the cookie base, you know, whatever, not able to do cookie base identification is not going to happen. Well, there's a lot unknown, but I mean, one distinction you have to make is between third party and first party cookies. So, third party cookies, which is you know dropping a cookie on a certain publisher site. And then as a kind of an ad tech vendor, somebody coming along like Google can and say, okay, you were on one technology site and now you're on the other and I'm building a profile of you. Google Chrome is not going to allow that type of cookie. First party cookies, when people opt in and you're only tracking what they've done on your own site, um, at least as our understanding is that those can continue. So you're, Another way to look at that is marketing automation cookies that you use for your own personalization on your own site, probably going to be around for a while. However, to your question though, on the ad side of things, when you, when you, if you're trying to personalize ads off your site, yes, new technologies are developing and, um, you know, we're come, we've never been that reliant on cookies. I think we're kind of known for the IP identification, but, um, you know, essentially the combination of being able to, um, to uh, identify the account um, and not the personal level, and then use AI and machine learning to understand what's happening on the page that you're going to advertise the page, the understanding of the page context, which is a very old but powerful strategy in advertising called contextual advertising, will replace the, the and I think be more more effective than third-party advertising cookies, where essentially you're buying segments of cookies that are supposedly like IT decision makers, for example, and instead you'll use. AI to say, based on what this person is reading, nobody would read this unless they, <laughs> they were an IT decision maker. And, and I know they're from a certain company, therefore I should bid a lot for this ad and serve personalized content. Um, so there's going to be a distinction between what you can do on your site 
and what you could do through advertising. And on the latter, new technologies will evolve, including what I talked about. And there also will be new identifiers, but everybody's is kind of early days on what those new identifiers are. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fun part of you know the industry we are in, right? I mean, it's fast evolving. There's so many changes happening. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you see this, you know, every day. You know, come across your inbox. So, speaking of changes, you know, uh, data that you know is kind of underlying fuel for, uh, you know, for that identification, for targeting, for personalization. What are the new different type of data sets that you're seeing and how that's playing in the in evolution of ABM? I think it's just like kind of to your first point, there's so many data sets. Um, <laughs> and when, <laughs> uh, like I love, I mean, obviously you guys are, are the leader in like technographic data set, which is incredibly powerful and how to use that for models. There's account identification data sets and intent, which demand base is known for. Um, but there's a whole host of data sets in all sorts of systems. You know, for example, you know, the sales automation, sales loft and outreach, they have their own data sets about how, you know, how, how accounts are responding. Um, you know, Gainsight is a customer health system. You could just name all the data sets. So I, I think. What, what we see at Demandbase as the opportunity is, you know, being the account-based system or record to pull together the account-based data sets and be able to, in real time, understanding in as rich a way as possible what's happening at an account throughout these, these systems. And then being able to um, act on them. And I'm really excited about where AI is going to take us, I think we're really scratching the surface. We're doing some kind of, we're going to look back and say, we were doing some really rudimentary things. I mean, most of what we're doing right now in the industry around AI is, is really around buying propensity and modeling around buying propensity. Um, but I think we're going to quickly get to using AI and the data sets to actually inform actions because if you think like about next action, what like the next action? Taking. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that's you know, COVID's really accelerating. Everything is digital, um, dispersed. There's so much more data. There's so many data sets. Marketers can't go through those stages of the pyramid by yeah. manually doing stuff. So taking the data sets, interpret them, and creating actions—that's the future. And I'm really excited about that. I mean, you can't. Um, understate that there's a very difficult challenge, <laughs> but I, I have no doubt, you know, with the pace that we're going as an industry, that that's going to get there, you know, whether it's a year or two years or, or whatever. Um, but that's incredibly exciting. So is that, I guess that that was my next question to you was, is that the future of ABM? That's where you see ABM going. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's one big thing is, is, you know, there needs to be an account-based system of record that's account-centric that has these data signals and interprets and give you a 360 view of the account that you use across sales, marketing, and customer success, and your business, you know, financial even. Once you have that, getting insight in real time to understand who the best customers and then what actions to take. Um, you know, that I, I think that's the future. 
you know, more, bigger than that maybe is, you know, to what degree is there a convergence of all of B2B to become ABM, yeah. <laughs> you know? And um, because really, if you think about it, this way of serving prospects and customers is B2B, you know, except I would say at this, like the exception being if you're going after small businesses, you know, I think small businesses because there's fewer decision makers, you know, certainly you could say act a little more like B2C. So yeah, I think the big, the big things I'm exciting about is how ABM is converging with how you do B2B and how you take data sets and, and, t- and get insight and action out of them. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting, uh, you know, definitely few, you know, next few years, I think COVID is going to accelerate or maybe decelerate. Oh, <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's yeah. definitely going to be amazing the next couple of years. I'm super excited, you know, as to what's, what's, what's to come next. But yeah, thank you so much for being part of, you know, our podcast. Really enjoyed having, you know, this conversation. I'm sure our listeners would gain something out of this as well. Likewise, I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.